The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome back to the National Football Show, your boy Dan Silverman. Howard Eskin, WIP, will be with us at the top of the hour. I may have to get Howard on once a week. He pisses everyone off. Clearly everybody in Philly. <laughs> we'll get his thoughts on Carson Wentz, on what he's watching with the Indianapolis Colts. Does he think that Eagle fans will be happy on what's going on in Indy? Or do you think it was expected on what's going on in Philly? Or excuse me, in Indy. Whole co- a whole bunch of array of thoughts that you could throw into this conversation with Carson Wentz leaving Philadelphia, getting hurt in Indy already. So we'll talk to Howard. That'll be at the top of the hour. We just talked to Kim Tim Cavalshaw from the Dallas Morning News. And we got a little insight on the Cowboys this season. He thinks they're going to be like 9-7-1. and one. I said they're going to be a 10-7 and seven football team. The other team that they're going to be playing at the Hall of Fame game on Thursday will be the Steelers. You know, it's funny. The Steelers, I, I, I tell you guys this all the time when it comes to success and it comes to being like a standard organization when it comes to bell cow or – the Tiffany's of the NFL when it comes to doing business. You know, one of the greatest stats of all time for the Steelers is the fact that they've only had three head football coaches since 1969. No other organization in American sports can do anything like that. So we'll talk more a little bit about this Pittsburgh Steeler team and we'll hit on that with uh, uh, Mike Tomlin. Is he under the gun when it comes to winning football games this year. I'll explain what I'm talking about, but this man here, I love bringing on. And this story with Carson Wentz is remarkable. And our friend Howard Eskin joins us now here on the national football show. Howard, I I had the only person I thought of was you when (laughs) the Wentz story broke. Okay. Give me your assessment on what you're seeing on how, this story's playing out for you with Carson Wentz. Well, it's not good for Eagles fans because if he doesn't play, let me see, 75% of the snaps or 70% if they make the playoffs, the Eagles only have a second-round pick from Indianapolis rather than get a first-round pick from the Colts. So as much as some nitwits in Philadelphia root against Carson Wentz and he's not even in the same conference – it's not good. It really is not good for Eagles fans. It's not good for Carson. And Carson's uh, never been anything but fine with me, nice, 
cordial, cooperative. Uh, but he obviously has a body that breaks down a little too much. So when you think about it, I feel bad for Frank Reich. He makes a, a, a major decision to go with a quarterback that I thought he could have success with with some better players around him than the Eagles had around him last year. But if he doesn't play, it doesn't make any difference. And now they don't have a quarterback. How about not, this, not at the beginning of the season. I don't think he's going to be there at the beginning of the season. I, I don't either. I think he's actually going to miss probably the first eight games of the year. That's where, I mean, you come back from injury, then you have to rehab too. To right. Get yourself ready right. to play here too. So I would throw this at you also. I mean, MCL, ACL, concussion, rib injury, foot injury. I mean, you know, it's one thing to be cursed, but it's another thing, like you said, to have a paper mache body. And I mean, it's almost like Grant Hill when the when the Magic, you know, made a trade for him. If you're going to make a move for a guy that's always hurt, you're going to get a guy that's always hurt. And do you see this thing just being a one-time thing, or can you see this guy really having a productive career in Indianapolis? Well, you know, I'm not a doctor, and I can't get inside, you know, whoever it is that makes these decisions for Carson Wentz from uh, from a higher power. But he just had so many injuries. I, I don't count the concussion because that was a cheap shot. That was a total cheap shot um, when they played Seattle. But the other injuries are are real injuries, and he's – his ability to, to move around in the pocket and be somewhat mobile, maybe not as good as he, he has been uh, in his college or at the beginning of his career, but he needs his feet. We all need our feet. Uh, and if it's going to be a problem, I, I don't buy, and I tried to check, and nobody seemed to remember that I spoke to uh, within the Eagles, of a foot injury that goes back to high school somewhere, somehow, you would think that would have shown up somewhere, but apparently it didn't show up anywhere. Uh, and Frank Reich said it could go back to high school. I don't know where it goes back to, but it's just part of what his body is. And uh, I feel bad for the guy and anybody that doesn't. You now he could have he could have a productive career, whether it's great, whether it's average. He could have some. Uh, some ability to have a productive career, but I, I just, I, I don't know where he goes from here. He's going to keep on trying. Uh, I don't know how many years that guarantee uh, goes for. It's probably this year and next year. So after that, there has to be some ability uh, to make some hard decisions for the Colts. The Colts had a good team, man. I saw the beginning of their schedule, even with Carson Wentz, I don't know that they'd win more than two games. That is yeah. brutal, brutal. So to make the playoffs is what the Eagles want, and I don't know if they can do it even if Carson Wentz uh, was there. But I feel bad for the guy. I honestly feel bad for the guy. I mean, some quarterbacks you don't feel bad for because they're not good people. I think he's a good guy, and, uh, and I think he had a chance. He had a chance to be productive, but he's not going to be productive if he's not on the field. And that's Absolutely. sad. I mean, think about the Colts. Think about Frank Wright. He's got no quarter. He's got no quarterback now. Uh, and I don't know what they're going to do. 
but they can't go into this season with the guy they drafted in the fourth round. I forget his name already, but he was drafted I think, in the fourth I think round. His name is, I think his name is Eason, but I would ask you this then. Would you be reluctant yeah. to make a deal with the Bears to go get Nick Foles? 100% I would not do it. Now, I love Nick. He's a great guy, and nobody in Philadelphia will ever remember I mean, he had maybe one of the top three games of any quarterback uh, in Super I'm not talking about quarterbacks. Yeah. I'm talking about games in Super Bowl history. Correct. Uh, it was just mind-boggling. Without Nick Foles, the Eagles don't win a Super Bowl. But those days are in the past. Sometimes it, it doesn't come back. And he's not been able to win a starting job at any place he's gone since. And um, I don't know that Carson back then – uh, they were really close. They're very religious guys, both of them, and they were very close. But I don't know that that would would be good because when Carson comes back, then you'd have the same things going on in Chicago that happened here in Philadelphia with Carson and Jalen Hurts. So I don't know that that's good for Carson's psyche. And there's other quarterbacks out there. I'd love to see Nick Foles get another shot at being a starting quarterback somewhere. But I think it would be a total mistake for uh, for the Colts to bring him in there and think that everything's going to be okay. I think there's other, there's other things that they can do. I mean, I would rather have, and I'm not saying he's better than Nick Foles was, uh, Minshew from, I think he's still with Jacksonville, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I think he's still with Jacksonville. Uh, so, you know, obviously Nick wants to get out of there. He's the third-string quarterback. Uh, you know, that's not going to – because they got to dress – I would think they've got to dress Fields, and Andy Dalton will probably be the starter. So uh, – but to go to the Colts, I think – I just don't think it would work out well uh, for the Colts and probably not work out well for, for Foles or for Carson Wentz. Would you agree, Howard, that I think – and I'm not saying you because I'm sure that you saw this – when the whole dynamic was in place in Philadelphia. I mean, think about it for a second. You had a backup quarterback in Doug Peterson, who was a journeyman. You had a backup quarterback in Frank Reich, who was a journeyman and was a guy who backed up Jim Kelly and Boomer Esiason in college. And all of a sudden, when Wentz goes down, I believe it was the Rams game, if I'm not mistaken, at the Coliseum, they had to put him in the game. And all of a sudden, those guys connected better with him because those guys were in the same position that he was in in his career. He's a guy that had to be prepared and a guy that was ready. And to me, I always thought that that dynamic, when you ended up taking that dynamic away from Philadelphia's offense, when Frank left, of course, he got elevated to the Colts job. I think that was the undermining of the beginning of the end there for Wentz in that room because those three guys together, along with Foles, that was a hell of a dynamic in that quarterback room. Do you agree? And uh, uh, Yes, Uh, but... That and, and there's a lot of things that went into that. And do you think, can you believe that the Eagles almost fired Frank Reich after his first year as an assistant uh, with Doug Peterson? It almost happened, but it didn't. So, you know, history now shows that they were all part of it and it was important. But that team, and I've covered the Philadelphia Eagles for a lot of years, chemistry in a football locker room is more important, I think, than any, any sport, any sport. Uh, because there's so many guys, there's so many different personalities, there's so many things that has, have to happen. And the chemistry 
history by all those players. Remember, it wasn't just Carson Wentz that year. They lost four starters and their top yeah. special teams guy that year. And they still, everybody stepped up and did a great job. The chemistry was amazing. I don't know that that chemistry can exist the way it did there. It was the best that I've ever been around uh, in a football locker room. I don't think it can exist anywhere else. And that's one of the reasons it worked. I mean, I think Carson Wentz, I still think, was the MVP that year, even though he missed three games. I mean, he had an unbelievable year. The last touchdown pass he threw that season, he had torn ACL. That was the last one. He threw it. I remember I'm standing on the sidelines, and I remember him coming over, and he had a limp. And he never said anything to Doug Peterson. And Doug said, we're going for it. And he throws a pass, and he knew he was hurt. He knew he was hurt. And he throws a touchdown pass to Alshon Jeffrey. I'll never forget that. But I'll also never forget what Nick Foles did in coming in. Now there's no pressure because you don't even expect to play that game. They're really, you're just you're running on, on, on just mind memory. And he threw a pass that led to what turned out to be the touchdown that won the game. And it was amazing. The whole game was amazing. The whole season was amazing. But I don't know how you could duplicate that anywhere else. And I don't know how Nick, Nick Foles could duplicate it. Uh, Carson Wentz obviously didn't finish and see it through. Uh, but it is amazing that, yes, Frank Krupp was there for it. Nick Foles was there for it. But so were the other 50, 52 or 51 players or 50 players that all jumped in. It was an amazing, amazing locker room. And that was a big part of it, too, because everybody had everybody's back. And what people forget, I'll never forget this question at a news conference of Doug Peterson. Uh, the Eagles had a, they had a bye week, and he, Nick did not have a good game his last game. And right before the bye week, before they played Minnesota, it was Minnesota, and in the, in the, I guess it was the, uh, I forget which game it was. But anyway... Somebody asked Doug Peterson, Doug, uh, you, are you going to go to uh, Nick's, uh, uh, Nate Sudfeld uh, in this game? You're going to switch up? People had questions about Nick Foles after his last game. They were ready to put – the question was, they're thinking, oh, is he going to go to Nate Sudfeld? Now I think it's Washington. He got another job. But are you kidding me? So that's the – but the point is he, he's had – Really interesting games. I was there in Oakland when he threw seven touchdown passes, and that was the year he had 27 touchdowns and only two interceptions. Yep. He's gone up and down. But the other thing that you have to consider, Nick Foles has never played a complete season either. So you got to be careful on what you do from Frank Reich's standpoint. I think Frank's smarter than that, and he knows. You, you know, rematches are usually never good as good as the first time around. So, you know, it's like the Phillies and just getting off track. They're talking, Oh, fans want what are you going to sign Cole Hamels? Can't, you can't relive the world series in 2008, 13 years ago. Come on, come on. These people are, are crazy here. They're absolutely nuts. But, in, but in, uh, in Indianapolis, he wouldn't get a lot of heat. I'm sure from the fans, if there was a problem, but I just don't think it's a good idea. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, and I don't know how long I talked to a doctor based on now it's a doctor that hasn't seen the MRI, doesn't know exactly what the injury other than that, what's reported. Uh, the doctor said six to eight weeks. Well, six to eight weeks 
you figure five weeks gets you into the season. So you may only miss three games. So now they're going to have to weigh throughout camp. I don't think anything's going to happen quickly. They're going to have to weigh throughout camp where he is in his progress and his rehab uh, before they make any kind of decision. But it's too bad. It really, I really do feel bad for the guy. Oh, no, you I know, do too. I feel, I feel bad, bad for, for the guy. Boy. What else can I say? Yeah. No, I feel bad for Frank too. I want to ask you some Eagle questions here. You know, Lane yeah. Johnson the other day comes out and, you know, there's some sort of erroneous report about the coach, like, you know, doing wacky things and this and that. And all of a sudden, you know, you you got, of course, people just want clicks, Howard, and, you know, they're trying to make their own way up in the broadcasting industry. And then all of a sudden you're seeing Eagle guys backing Nick Sirianni. And, I mean, just your assessment so far of what you've seen. I know you. it's almost impossible to get an assessment on a coach before he's even coached a preseason game because it's a different dynamic being a coordinator versus being a head football coach. But just by the way the team's responding around him, I saw him cancel practice the other day for some reason, whatever it was. He's doing a little bit unconventional stuff. No, he didn't cancel it. Let me interrupt you for a second. He didn't didn't cancel it. He stopped it because he saw some mistakes. But that was a day which doesn't get out in the clickbait world that we live in. That was a day the veterans had a day off. So he wanted to get the attention, I think, of the young players. So that changes a little bit of that dynamic. He stopped it, then he started it up again. So, yeah, I – you can finish your question, but I, I know the way I'm going to uh, respond to this. No, no, question no, I'm done with it because I, I just, just what you're just what you're seeing with him and how the team's responding around Nick Sirianni. Well, everybody that's talked publicly has said nothing but good things. Change is important in the pursuit of success, and people should remember that. Now, some change is is good from a short term and some change good long term uh i like dutchson as a coach but they made a change and you have to move on nick seriani is enthusiastic he's organized he's got energy uh the players really enjoy uh the energy and his honesty with the players now it's easy to be honest when you're not playing a game and you don't know who's going to start and who's going to be the backup. It's easy to do all those things, but I, I'm, uh, I'm impressed so far, but I, I told, it was a brief comment I made to Nick. I said, it's all good right now, but you could coach a game and win the game by two touchdowns and the media are going to question you about a decision or a play ball. He says, well, that's what I signed up for. <laughs> so uh, he knows it's coming, especially in Philadelphia. Uh, they can't. There's always somebody. And again, it's it's clickbait. It's 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 unbelievable what social media has done to everything in our world. Everything. I mean, it's not just sports. It's everything. Uh, but certainly in sports, and uh, it's going to be interesting. But so far, I am I'm impressed again. Hasn't coached a game, not even a preseason game. Hasn't had to make any real decisions. Uh, hasn't had to make any un- unpopular decisions. And there's no questions about the way. And he's going to call the play. And he's going to call the plays uh, that he's done so far. But uh, so far, I'm I'm impressed with the guys. I mean, it's amazing his energy. He's got great energy on the field and off the field. 
and he spoke to us uh, today. He's just always has energy. Now, some of the things he has to say are BS, but because he has to protect uh, a player. But no, he's uh, he's been pretty good. I, I've got to say, been pretty good. And I've only got to know him a little bit in the world we live in now, which is, you know, you're not in locker rooms. You can't really. You don't have a lot of opportunity to talk face to face. It's only in a in a controlled environment of a news conference, which we do outside uh, when he speaks. But I've been impressed so far. I I have, and, and uh, I haven't seen anything that I'm disappointed with. How about this one here? Would you, if you're Howie Roseman, would you make a trade with Houston to bring Deshaun Watson into Philadelphia? <laughs> It's not my call to make the decision. However, I will tell you, I think, and this uh, comes from people uh, in Houston, they're going to trade him at some point. When, I don't know. When teams are comfortable, I don't know. Uh, I talk to teams around the NFL, and it looks like Denver and Miami are the other teams that may have interest. Uh, probably not may, but do have interest. But when does that all happen? I do think. If the Eagles, and nobody knows about Jalen Hurts yet, but when you're trading, uh, I think Peter King had a, a note that the Eagles have interest, still have interest in Watson and Aaron Rodgers next year. Yeah. I, I don't think they want Aaron Rodgers next year. They want a quarterback that's going to be their quarterback for five to ten years, not a quarterback that's going to be their quarterback for the next two years. So I think Aaron Rodgers, that's a pipe dream. It, it just, and who knows it? 40 or 39 or 40 years old. But I think now, I don't know that I agree with it and I, I'm having trouble rectifying in my mind. Uh, do you bring in a guy that uh, allegedly has do done so many things that just make him look like, like, what are you doing? Uh, but I don't know. Nobody knows. And uh, those uh, civil suits aren't going to come up till next year. So does the NFL wait till next year? And there's going to be some kind of penalty. There's no question there's going to be some kind of penalty. But I think the Eagles, I think, I don't know, just the mentality of this team to find a quarterback that they know can be their quarterback for the next maybe 10 years. And nobody's really sure about Allen Hurts yet. He works hard. Uh, he's, he's always in there working. Uh, the players like him because he's got leadership qualities. But you still got to complete passes. You still can't turn the ball over. You still can't do. And I don't know that he does or he doesn't. Has he been okay in camp? Yeah, he's been. You know, if I have to rate him on a on a, a grade scale, I would say he's probably been a B minus or a C plus. That's where I'll go with him. But Deshaun Watson, his ability could be a B plus or an A. So again, in sports, and this is a sad thing about sports. It doesn't matter if a guy can play, they put him on a team and they keep him. Uh, if a guy is borderline, like uh, who is it? The Panthers got rid of a guy after a cheap shot. He's an undrafted free agent. Yeah, I mean, you'd shake a tree and 20 of those guys fall out of the tree. Uh, it's so it's really kind of like what difference does it make? And uh, somebody else got uh, banged with, uh, he got found guilty of a felon, felony assault with a girlfriend today. And they, I don't even know what team. You see so many of them. But he can't, he's not a star player. Uh, hey, listen, when Andy Reid kind of lets things pass a little bit, and he is the all-time discipline type guy, 
but I, I just, I think people, people accept it if you can play. And if you can't play, then get the hell out of here. Uh, but Howard, you never I come in here this. in the first place. So I, I don't know what this. they're going to do. But I, go ahead. Hey, I, I, I got to throw this at you. Jimmy Johnson said, and this, this kind of goes to your line with Jalen Hurts here. Hey, I know guys that work hard at car washes. Okay, and he's like, if I could get a talent like a Deshaun Watson and I could bring that guy into the room here. And here's something else, too, Howard, that I think the NFL is going to help a team like Philadelphia. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Let's stop right here. Let's stop right here. You being uh, from the from the you. Yes. Uh, know that I was talking. Who was I talking to that was a Notre Dame guy? Oh, and I said, you know, you guys got your ass kicked when Jimmy was there. You got your ass kicked. Oh, we beat the uh, pants off. He them. says, yeah, they were all, cr- yeah, they were all criminals. I said, it's not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we beat those guys fifty-eight to seven one year, Howard. We beat the pants off those guys, and all you heard them saying was, even my grandmother. I went to a Catholic school in Connecticut. My grandmother's like. So, Jesus, you do that to Notre Dame? What about all the priests and the cat? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's a stupid football game. So, to your point about Jimmy, though, Jimmy didn't care about that stuff. He he, he cared this. If the public perception was too bad, they were not going to have a guy like that on his team. There's no way that he would. However, the, the Charles Haley's of the world, the Michael Irvins of the world, all of that stuff, Howard, um, I think the NFL is going to do a favor here because they haven't put Deshaun Watson on the exempt list yet. They've kept these like civil cases, mum, and they could be like doing disclosure agreements where this may not get out publicly. I don't know, man. I mean, usually the NFL is right out in front, like the Ray Rice story or the Adrian Peterson story. This has been handled differently compared to the other stories that we've seen when it comes to some type of sexual misconduct here. This has been the league has not said a word on this thing here, which kind of leads me to believe that they're trying to help this situation both sides. Do you agree? Well, to a point, but they, I don't think they want to say anything because they don't want it to affect the decision making of the courts. By if you suspend him now, then you say, right. well, you know, he's guilty. The NFL, they have their own investigation. You don't have to be guilty or innocent. You, uh, th- they have to find in a court of law, uh, but you have to be guilty in their investigation or commit some, uh, some violation. How many guys don't go to jail, don't get arrested, don't get charged, and they're still suspended? And I'm not right. talking about Tom Brady, the cheater, or Bill Belichick. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about other people uh, <laughs> who who, you know, didn't, weren't convicted in a court of law unless they're in jail, and you know, for murder or something like that. And who was it? Ray Carruth. Was that the guy from yeah. uh, the Panthers Carolina. at one time? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, but I, I, I don't think they want to kind of uh, tip the scales for anybody in a court of law. It's really the fact that it's not, those things are not going to happen until next year. It doesn't, once that thing's settled, I just don't think, there's any question that Sean Watson's going to get a suspension. How many games? Who knows? But he's going to get a – I just don't see there's any way. It's too much smoke, there's fire. But it is amazing that if you can play – and, hey, listen, Urban Meyer had more criminals than Jimmy Johnson. Uh, 35 yeah, arrests in six yeah, years. Had Aaron, 
Yeah, and, and Aaron Hernandez. You think he didn't do anything really, really bad when he was at Florida? Come on. You know, he can rest in peace. All right, that's fine. But that's the reality of the situation. Urban Meyer was, as far as allowing guys to just run rampant, uh, Jimmy had discipline. Uh, but you know, he just he had to cut that stuff out. <laughs> Eventually, he had to cut that <laughs> stuff out. But, uh, you know, and Notre Dame's just jealous. Because, you know, for years, uh, you know, their national championships, you can count on your pinky finger. You know, forget, I'm not going back to Aeroparsegian. Let's let's relax here. And the one they won in 88, Cleveland Gary, I saw I saw Jimmy Johnson a few weeks ago. He was in Atlantic City for his fishing tournament. So we talked. I said I was there and that was a disgrace. He says, I still still can't get over how we were ripped off. And that year they won a championship, and it wouldn't have happened if the officials weren't wearing Notre Dame underwear. Uh, it's Absolutely. just there's no question. Howard, we, when we were at UN playing Notre Dame, we, we beat them one year 58-7. to Then the next year we beat them 40-3. to I, I, I mean, they scored 10 points in the two games I was against them, and it's the biggest beatdown in the history of Notre Dame football that 58 to 7. Coach Johnson's running reverses with a minute left in the game. And he's jam- and Eric Parsegian's in the booth moaning about Jimmy just running the score up. We're laughing. And I like Bavaro's on that team and a bunch of other guys. They had really good talent, but they just didn't want to play for Jerry Fouts. You know, I remember, and I forget what the score was at halftime, but it was a big de- deficit at halftime. And the biggest play was third and 44. I forget, was it Wesley Carroll? Was that the wide receiver that caught the pass? Yes. Maybe it was yes. Wesley Carroll, right? Yes. He caught a pass. It was at, um, I think it was at Miami. I forget where it was. Sometimes, you know, I don't think it was at Notre Dame. I think it was at Miami. And he caught the pass, and I was kind of standing there, and it wasn't far from where I was standing. I says, oh, my God, this game is over. This game is over. And when Lou Holtz came to Philadelphia about a year later, I made sure I reminded him of that play. Third and 44. What kind of coach lets a team complete a third and 44? Come on, man. <laughs> hey, Howard. So, hey, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go with this. I'm going to let you go with this. Here, here, here's Coach Holtz when we ever played against him. This guy, this Miami guy. I go, Coach, you're 11-0, dog. Don't give us that crap, man. Hey, you hey, think Howard. anybody really had a 2.0? You think anybody really had a 2.0 at Notre Dame when Lou Holtz was the coach? No, I don't. Stop. Jerome Bettis was there. No, I <laughs> no. do not. Howard, we got to roll. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Love you, Howard. Thank you, my friend. Oh, man, I love talking to Howard Eskin. He's such such a legend. All right, we'll take a brief time out here, man. You keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. I don't know, maybe I should try the shades like Howard. You know? Does that make me the GOAT, too? Dan Cilio, National Football Show. Look like look like a gangster. Original G. Big Sills. I don't. Yeah? I don't know. I think Howard Eskin may be on to something here. Big Sills with the shades or no? By the way, somebody asked me what it's like benching 535. Like a god. Just, yeah. Okay. I don't know, man. I think the shades, I think the shades add a little something to big sales, man. (laughs) Uh, Okay. My boys are saying, what these are Oakley's bitches. Look at these things, man. I think they make big sales have a little bit more personality in the room. How you doing? All right. I don't know if I can read anything though. in these things, these things are awful dark. I done. Then again, I'm Italian. I done Monday to Friday. Eat the veal. All right, let's get into this, man. I can't see, so <laughs> what are those? Oh, eBay. All right, you know we were talking. I love talking, like I said to Howard. I think Howard's agreed to come on once a week with me during the football season. 
I don't know how his boys at WIP will like that, but who cares? Okay. I'll take them all from them. They're not careful. Ike concluded. Talked to Ike the other day. I get them all over here. Don't talk to me like that. Get Xander and Cal and Big Joe. We'll get them all here. We're done. All right. Yeah, so he he wouldn't make the move for Foles, man. I was a little bit shocked. He says you're not going to be able to duplicate what you did in Philadelphia. Okay, hey, to, to be honest, I mean, like, how many sequels are really all that good, right? You think you're going to create the same magic that you did the second time around? Very seldom do you see that story play itself out, right? So you got to – but I don't know if Frank Wright's looking to win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. I think he's just looking for him to steady the ship, okay? If you're going to win a Super Bowl, you're going to win it with with Wentz. You're not going to win it with Foles. But I don't think it would be that bad a deal. Now, Howard Eskin is against the move, okay? I'm kind of for it because I think it's just familiarity that you have with the offense. So we'll see how that whole thing plays out. I, 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 I It's going to be very interesting on uh, what Chris Ballard, the general manager of the Colts, and what Frank do and what they end up coming up with as a short-term solution to the Wentz injury. All right. You know, I, I was talking about the Steelers prior to Howard coming on, and I'm going to throw some numbers at you. You know, I was throwing numbers at – Tim Kalashaw from ESPN and from Around the Horn in the last hour about the Dallas Cowboys only winning three playoff games uh, in the last 25 years. Let me throw some numbers off you here. This is Mike Tomlin's postseason record over the last 10 years. Okay? Follow me here. He's missed the playoffs four times, and he's got a 3-6 and six record. And in the last 10 years, you've had Antonio Brown, Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, and a top-ranked defense. And you have had no AFC championship game appearances. I don't think there may have been one. I think I'll have to double-check that. I mean, you're 3-6 and in the last 10. Is that underachieving? He's got a Super Bowl victory to his name early on in his career. He's never had a losing season. This is not throwing shade. It's asking about the record. You know, as I did that about John Gruden yesterday, John Gruden is 19 and 29 since he's taken the Raiders over for the second time. And in that transition from Oakland to Las Vegas, that team has lost actual pro bowlers. When he took the team over, they had eight. They've only got two now on the team. So do you think the organization is moving in a great direction? Or do you think the Raiders are actually walking backwards? I actually think the Raiders are regressing under John Gruden. I, I, Derek Carr, would we not agree when you had Jack Del Rio as the head coach with the Raiders? Remember that year? I think they were 12-4. and four. Then he got hurt, right? He was an MVP candidate. Now Derek Carr's been really good, but he's not really played up to that level, has he? You know, supposedly John Gruden is like the, the guru of quarterbacks. Well, it's not translated into spectacular play like we saw earlier on in Derek Carr's career. So has Derek Carr gotten better? Has the Raiders as an organization gotten better since John Gruden? Let's not forget, he deals away a guy who he doesn't have a pass rusher on the team and he hasn't had it 
since he's taken over the reins again, got rid of Khalil Mack because they didn't want to make the financial commitment to him. Then they end up moving Amari Cooper, and they got all these draft choices, and they got a decent running back, and they got a really good tight end. But the rest of those guys that they got in those moves were really like, I don't know, below average or okay. So the Raiders have regressed. And it's not a slight on John. I don't you know, know him exceptionally well. I know John Gruden, but I don't really know him exceptionally well. This is more of an indictment on his record. And so when I say this about Mike Tomlin, Mike Tomlin's got a fabulous record. And for those that will look at his record, when everything is said and done and you're looking at all the chapters in the book, we'd all agree that Mike Tomlin's probably going to be an NFL guy who's going to be considered for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Okay? I mean, his, his, his record is almost identical with Cower, and in some aspects he's done more than Cower. But just like with Mike Shanahan when he was in Denver, he's got to get to a point sometimes, or even Joe Gibbs when he was in Washington. At some time, you start looking at the numbers and you start – Tom Landry at the end, we were talking to Kalashaw in the last hour. Even Tom Landry got fired in the end because his football teams were not getting better. They were not evolving. And so when you look at Mike Tomlin's record over the last 10 years, I say this to you. Okay, four years he's missed the playoffs. They're three and six in those 10 years. He's built up a ton of equity when it comes to the organization. Who doesn't like Mike Tomlin? Mike Tomlin's my favorite coach in the league, for the record here, just so we know. He is. Of all the guys in the league, I want to play for that guy. But you still eventually have to go wins and losses. It's not about finishing first or second in offense or defense. It's about winning games and Super Bowls, especially in that organization. We're not talking about the Titans or the Jets. Hell, the Jets are looking for a freaking good year. Just one in the next 10 years. The Titans are looking to do something exceptional to get back to a Super Bowl. But you're talking the Steelers. The Steelers are gauged by how many Lombardi trophies you have. Not division titles or not how many times you make it to the AFC Championship game. That's why they've only had three coaches since 1969. So is Mike Tomlin on the hot seat? I, I, I don't subscribe to that. But eventually you have to start looking at the record going, okay, so if they miss the playoffs this year, which they could, there'd be five times in 11 years they missed the playoffs. But if they have an early exit, that's three and seven in the postseason. I don't know how you continually go like this. Well, let's bring them back again. I mean, the Steelers, they're not going to need jerk. They'll probably ride this thing into the sunset because Tomlin's been such a great coach. Hey, and is Mike Tomlin a great coach? Yes, but the record is starting to give a different impression a little bit here. How about this one? Maybe Mike Tomlin needs a new, a new zip code himself. You know, you're in one place. You're doing the same thing over and over and over again. Tom Brady needed a different address. Tom Brady goes to Tampa. Maybe Mike Tomlin, given more power, gets an opportunity. Maybe he takes over for John Gruden in Las Vegas. Could you see Tomlin coaching the Raiders? I sure could. I don't think that that's a 
far-fetched thing. Tomlin's, he'd be one of those guys that would not be out of work long. So, but man, three and six in the last 10 years, and you've missed the playoffs four times. And this year doesn't look like a year where they're going to bounce. Now, I will say this. There's one player this year that I'm really looking forward to that's been drafted by a team, and that's Najee Harris. I want to see what Najee Harris and the impact that he has on that offense because what was the one thing with the Steelers a year ago that there was a massive problem with? That was red zone offense. If that football team could stay in third and short, Ben doesn't have to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game, that team, they won, I think, 11 straight, right? That was kind of like fool's goal because they finished the season one and five. So when you start talking about, you know, adding another component to the team, will Najee Harris be, you know, somebody that's going to roll in there like a Derrick Henry and change the dynamic of that football team? The same way we saw Terrell Davis go into Denver and change that John Elway dynamic, they ended up winning two Super Bowls. And know this, if that guy is that guy, how about this? If you put Derrick Henry on that Steeler team, the Steelers would be in the Super Bowl. Not the quarterback. It, because they have a number one defense on that other side of the football. If you had Derrick Henry added to that offense, Steelers being a Super Bowl. Steelers are a few players away. We're not talking about 10 players like in Dallas where that entire defense had to be changed out. That defense in Dallas is atrocious, and I don't think it's gotten any better. Speaking of that, Mike McCarthy. You know, I've said this before about Mike McCarthy. I have never been a Mike McCarthy fan. And for that much, I've never really been a fan of a coach who's had a spectacular quarterback. And I'm going to give you some examples of this here. Quarterbacks in the NFL, they truly hide poor coaching. And to put that into perspective, last year in the NFC Championship game, Here's a coach in Matt LaFleur that's 26 and six in the last two years. Would we, would you guys out there say that Matt LaFleur is one of the up and coming bright young head football coaches in the NFL? 26 and six, two straight NFC championship games. You would say that because if you saw that on a piece of paper, you would do this, right? Well, that's pretty damn impressive. Look at what he's done. Well, Rodgers is the quarterback. Rodgers is going to put you in a position to be in that game. But look at the mental meltdowns that they had, giving up that seven points going into the half, kicking the field goal and taking it out of the MVP's hands. That's coaching. That's what Howard Eskin was just talking about with Nick Sirianni. That's game day coaching. That's handling timeouts. That's handling the team going into the half. That's handling ending a regular game and in the final two minutes of the game. So you've got to be judged on that. Or how about this one? Nick, you know, I, I, I've said this before, that Nick Saban didn't have a quarterback when he was in Miami, right? And he didn't have a winning record in Miami. Nick Saban gets to Alabama. Nick Saban in college football doesn't need a quarterback. See, that's the difference in college football compared to the NFL. You don't need a top-flight quarterback to win in college football. You don't. You can have a couple dudes that are just really good and you can win a you can win a national championship. In the NFL, you have to have a great quarterback to win a Super Bowl. 
it's rare that you have a Foles. And 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 like Howard Eskin said, Nick Foles played his onions off in those playoff games for the Eagles. I mean, it was one of the it was something that you saw like Kurt Warner do. Uh, you you were doing this. How many times did you do this with Foles? You were watching, you're going, Jesus Christ. I've never seen anything like this guy. This guy here reminds me of what Kurt Warner did. I mean, he burst out of nowhere. This guy's throwing for 355 yards. He's out playing Brady in the Super Bowl. He's doing the Philly special. And everybody's going like this. Holy cow, where the hell did all this come from? He was a journeyman quarterback when he went to that game. Right? He's a journeyman quarterback. But look at Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick is in Cleveland. He had a quarterback dilemma going on there with Bernie Kosar and with Vinny Testaverde. Couldn't figure it out. He got fired. He gets up to um, New England, and maybe he chooses right here. I've told you the story before. One of the greatest moves, and the greatest move in the history of Bill Belichick's career, this was the move that made Bill Belichick a Hall of Fame head coach and maybe the GOAT of head coaches in the NFL. What was the move? It was when Bledsoe got hurt. He had to choose between a sixth-round draft choice and a guy they just gave $108 million to and 17 of it guaranteed. They had to make that decision inside that organization, knowing full well you were going to have to go to the owner and tell the owner, you know that $17 million that you gave Bledsoe? I'm going with a guy that you gave basically chicken feed to and Tom Brady in the sixth round, and we're going with him. How did you have the insight to know? Remember something, you passed on Brady five times. And this again, this goes into the light of a coach making the right decision with the right quarterback. A coach's record is dictated on what decision you make. And I'm going to give you another one that just came to mind here. But think about it for a minute. All that money that was on the table, okay? All that money that was on the table for Bledsoe. And if you remember what happened, Bledsoe got healthy. Brady got nicked up. And Bledsoe wins a playoff game against the Steelers. The debate was, is Belichick going to stick with the experienced Drew Bledsoe or is he going to go into the Super Bowl with this guy, Brady? That move right there made Bill Belichick a Hall of Fame coach because if he would have done what everyone thought he was going to do and go with Bledsoe, the Brady legend may never have been um, developed. That move. Here, here's another one. Um, Jimmy Johnson's first year, they have Troy Aikman. They're 1-15. As a matter of fact, Aikman didn't win a game his first year. Steve Walsh won that game against the Redskins. Okay? Then they were the Redskins. They they were one and fifteen that season. Troy didn't win a game. Jimmy had drafted um, Steve Walsh in a supplemental draft in the first round. He'd given up a first rounder for him. There was a debate him going back and forth. Finally, after debate, going into the second year, deep into the second year, Jimmy comes to the conclusion: Aikman's my guy. Okay, and he traded Walsh where to New Orleans who got more draft choices and that stuff fostered into more picks. And I believe the Emmett Smith pick is in that whole thing. And Emmett was added to the offense. And before you know it, 
you're off to the races and you're winning three Super Bowls in five years. That is how that changes. Pete Carroll did it. Pete Carroll gets up to Seattle. Pete was a marginal coach with the Jets and New England, his first stint in the league before he went to USC. They hire him. Paul Allen hires him in Seattle. He's got a quarterback on, on the team, Tavares Jackson. And they draft a guy in the third round by the name of Russell Wilson. They didn't think they had anything in the room. So what did they do? They went out and they signed a guy in the name of Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn was signed to a $17 million signing bonus. They bring him in. Carroll does this. He goes like this. He goes, I got to go with Russell Wilson. He's a third rounder. That move right there allowed them to build the Legion of Boom because they didn't have to spend money for three years on a rookie contract on the offensive side of the ball, and most notably the quarterback. Why do you think since they played Russell that they don't have anybody on defense like the Michael Bennett's? They don't have the Richard Sherman's anymore. They don't have big-name guys over on that side of the football field. They got rid of all them guys because they couldn't afford to build that team like the way Pete Carroll wants to build it. He wants to build that team running the ball and playing lights-out defense. That's why that whole kicking the tires this offseason here, Russell didn't see them being a prolific passing offense because that's not what Pete was doing. And again, to circle back here, these head football coaches, it's not about coaching on Sundays. It's about making that right decision at that position. You, you pick wrong at that position, you'll be Rex Ryan. You pick wrong at that decision, you're Rich Kotai. How many guys have we seen that all of a sudden you're like, man, these guys are winning ball game because they made the right move at the quarterback spot. Look at Mike Vrabel, what he did. You think truly Mike Vrabel thought that Ryan Tannehill, after Ryan Tannehill was bombing in Miami, you thought he'd go up there and within a year get that team where they get would do this. They moved off of Marcus Mariota who was a high first-round draft choice and signing bonus money for a guy that was bombing in Miami. And then a year later, they give Ryan Tannehill a $29 million contract. That's, a, that's luck. That's choosing a guy that you think could bring that, – that's why if you're, if you're Frank Reich, you go with what you think can win you games right now. Frank has to pick right here to steady the ship. You're not trying to win the Super Bowl in the first four. You can lose the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. Okay, you can. You can lose that opportunity. But what Frank and the organization and Chris Ballard have to think, okay, it, how much is it going to cost us? What do you think the Bears are going to try to fleece us for? It's probably going to be a third and maybe a six. Do you give that up for that player? Whew. That's a big ticket price for a substitute teacher. All right. Let's take a brief time out. Keep it here on the National Football Show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. 
It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Welcome back to the National Football Show, Dan Silio. My head to look like Pat Riley. I'm really thinking about the shades, though. I think it's a good look for Big Sills. Yeah. At Dan Cilio Show, if you dig it, shoot me a message. Because I don't know, man. I think, I think there's something to it, man. You know? Gives me a little bit of, uh, I don't know, the, the gangster that I used to be. No longer, because, you know, now I'm fat. So, I don't know, man. There's something to it. The only thing is I can't see. So, that's not good. Anyway, speaking of what's not good, you know the NFL's going around talking COVID-19 and, you know, how they're concerned about everything going on with the players all being vaccinated. How they want to make sure that all the players on 
all the rosters as we get ready for the start of the regular season are all vaccinated. Then explain this to me. Out of one side of their mouth over here, they're saying we're concerned about the pandemic. On the other hand, tickets went on sale today. There's two games this year that are going to be in London. I believe the first one's October 10th, Jets and Falcons. So you got a worldwide pandemic going on, and you're going to put two teams, family and friends, and personnel on those planes and send them across the pond to play in a game that no one cares about. Well, at least in America. You think anybody gives a rat's ass that that game's played in London? Why do you think that game is played in London? Why, For instance, why do you think the league wants a team overseas? Expand the brand? So you actually think the NFL could go over to Europe with the Jags or, I don't know, the Bills, and that's going to spark the soccer fans to go, you know what, that NFL football that America plays, I love it way more than something generationally that I've been watching my entire family's life. Soccer. Yeah, this really looks like never happened. Never happened. They're lying to you. And, and there's numerous things why this thing is so effed up. Think of this for a second. The time difference. You understand that when you have a London game, that game starts at like 6 a.m. Eastern time. Okay? 6 a.m. What does that mean? The cash register of the National Football League with commercial sales start at 6 a.m. And with the two games that are played, then the NBC game played at night, you basically from 6 a.m. to midnight Eastern have control of television advertising the entire day on Sundays. This has got nothing to do with expanding the brand. You think the NFL gives a rat's ass about the player's health or anybody else's health? Why would you have a... Why would you have two games in London and take those teams and send them over to London? You put the tickets on sale today. There's two games. I, I believe there's two. I know the one that I'm talking, the October 10th game. Then you've got to go over. Oh, and they give you the buy because, you know, you got to rest your body because I've played overseas. And let me tell you this, man. You're not right for 10 days after. I went over and played a game in Germany. Man, you're never the same. So this is all about money with the league. It's got nothing to do with expanding the NFL shield or what they try to BS you with. Yeah, using their business partners and their media partners to say, hey, you know, we really want to get a team in London. Yeah, you want to get a team in London because it starts television clock and it starts the advertising clock on Sunday in the morning. Instead of starting it at like, you know, 1 o'clock Eastern, you're starting that bitch at 6 a.m. in the morning. I mean, we all know that. Then you got your television shows. You got your game shows in the middle there where I'm talking pregame shows, NFL, on Fox and the CBS show. Before you know it, you have the entire day. That would be – it's a it's millions of money that the NFL rakes in when you play a London game. Now, that money does go into some of the players' pocket, but don't don't be part of the sheep that are out there like on the Internet and part of the woke communities that are out there going, you know, man, th this is really, 
this is really cool here, you know, what the league, they're trying to leak, you know, it's got nothing to do with that, dude. National Football League doesn't give a rat's ass about the players' health when it comes to vaccinations. They don't care. They care about making money. They care about completing ball games. Why do you think they put that Denver Bronco team on the field last year? You think the NFL was going to cancel games? <laughs> not happening. League's not canceling any games. That hits their contracts. 97% of the NFL's operating budget comes from those TV deals, my friends. Always remember that. They're not going to miss out on any of them games. Like the, you know, the NFL made, it, made you believe that there was a chance that they could suspend games or not have games or cancel games. Not one game was canceled last year. That was never going to happen. League was never going to do that. No matter how bad the pandemic got, they would have played that thing in a formaldehyde jar if they had to. I'm missing games. League doesn't. Why do you think they played the year we striked in 87 with scabs? Guys who were non-union guys, they just picked them off the street and they played. They're not missing games. Pandemic or not. Well, you know, we're really concerned about vaccinate. You really are? You really? I'm telling you, people will believe anything. Hey, for the record, you know this Cole Beasley story too that's in Buffalo? You know, instead of taking an adversarial, you know, relationship look at this between the Players Association and the league, why don't you use this as a building tool? You know what I mean? You use this as a conversation between both sides. Okay, so you have a problem with the vaccinations. Why? Why, does, why doesn't everybody sit down and have a conversation about it and have a talk about it? How they can maybe get to yes. Instead of being adversarial, well, look at this guy. He's anti. Pretty soon what you're going to start doing is what? Putting scarlet letters on guys who don't have vaccinations. And you're going to be making your decisions on your roster. You know, Howard Eskin just said something that was so important. What if there's a guy that's on your 53rd? Uh, he's the 53rd guy on your roster. And he's not very good. And you know what you do? You fire him with cause because he didn't get vaccinated. That's wrongful termination. And the league's going to fight that in a courtroom where you can't make anybody do that? How are you going to get that over on the union? But see, the union's the weakest union in the league. My point is, get everybody together, man. Look, I've said this before to people. I'm not anti-anything. I'm anti-not figuring it out. You know, let, let, let's have a dialogue here. Let's Let's come to... An understanding here. So this whole pandemic story, it's going to have so many different off lanes and so many ramps this coming season. And by the way, that I can miss out on because I'm with my boy Krause on this. It's a stupid conversation. It bores people. People are bored right now with what's going on with this. Being told five different hundred different things. One day it's this, one day it's that. Mass this, mass that. Okay, variant. In four months from now, am I going to have variant five? You can't answer that question, can you? See, that's the problem that you have going on in our country right now. Here would be my question. How many variants do you think are going to happen over the next year? And if you say anything other than I don't know, that's what frightens people. 
That's what frightens folks. Because if you do this, I don't know. We're doing the best we can to combat it. You're going to have more Americans go, okay, well, then I'm with you. If it helps save lives, then you know what? But doing this, this is it. You said something two months ago that this was it. Now we're changing the room. Now you're talking locking down the country again. Dude, nobody likes to be lied to, especially when your family's health is on the line. Going to a football game, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think there's a lot of things that are rolling in the wrong direction here for the upcoming season on this. All right, let me get out of that stupid talk and go into uh, Daniel Jones. So I guess the Giants had a Donnybrook today with their football team, and everybody was, you know, they were fighting and every, what have you. And I guess Coach Judge got pissed because his quarterback was pinned at the bottom of the scrum and nobody was defending him. What does that tell you? So nobody's defending Dimes Jones, and he's at the bottom of a pile, and he's getting his ass kicked. What's that tell you? To tell you anything? Do you make anything out of it? Here would be my issue. Where's your old line? Where's your old line in this thing? You know, I saw Baker Mayfield a couple, uh, maybe it was earlier in the season, maybe last year. Mayfield was getting pushed around. His O-line didn't come to defend him. Nobody came and defended the dude. And I was sitting there going like, well, well, that's interesting. Every offensive line looks at their quarterback, that that's their guy, and they don't want anything to happen to that guy. So Dimes Jones is at the bottom of the pile getting his head kicked in. Not a good look if you're judge. What does that mean? Well, he hasn't built up enough equity in that locker room yet for people to look at him as a leader. And you're like, you, you, you read that out of that? Yeah, I did. Because that quarterback to me, I'm going to hit that guy as hard as I can. I don't care if that guy's wearing a red shirt or he's got a scrimmage shirt on. That guy hasn't built up enough equity in my life where I'm going to treat him like Phil Sims or Eli Manning. That guy doesn't get that. That guy has to take his lumps just like every other guy in the NFL has to take his lumps. Just like Jalen Hurts in Philly has to take his. He ain't earned anything. You know, that's the thing about comparing what's going on in our country and on a football field and in a locker room. You don't get hall passes because of your skin color, because of your religion, because of your political party. You get where you are going and how people perceive you by what you've done and what you've earned. That's the greatest thing about sports is that nothing is handed to you. Nothing. And Dimes Jones proves it right there to you. I think personally, when I see Daniel Jones, I see Dave Brown, the guy they took out of Duke, you know, about 20 years ago. I don't see anybody special. He doesn't show me anything where I went like this. That guy, you know, is Justin Herbert or he's Joe Burrow. I'm not seeing that yet. So, <laughs> Dime Jones, the bottom of a pile getting his ass kicked. Yeah, classic. All right. All right, Dak now. Before we get out of here, I got to hit on Dak. So, the Cowboys are a little bit concerned about Dak Prescott's throwing shoulder. Shouldn't be. This is something that was going to pop up anyway because he had not been doing football movement. 
I said this earlier before Howard Eskin came on. They're running around on a treadmill and running in your backyard or swimming in a swimming pool. That's not going to put you in football shape. I don't care how many times you do this. Well, I, I ran five miles. So what? That's not football movement. When you're constantly throwing a football to your wide receivers every single day and you're putting around 100 reps in every day, you think Dak has been throwing in a different position with his body and his feet and his trunk and all that stuff? You know that's going. Phil Simms said that yesterday. He goes, man, I missed some time. My ankle was never right. And you know what? It took me a full year to get back to being where I was a couple years ago. And I was like this, huh, that's interesting, because Prescott may have the same kind of issues when it comes this year at the beginning of the season on him getting back into truly a football condition, not just being in shape. As I tell everybody, being in shape, that's got nothing to do with football. It's got to do with being in football shape. So we'll see. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a lingering issue. But the Cowboys have to be concerned just a little bit, hold him back a bit. Um, I'm not sure he plays in that game on Thursday for sure. Do you keep him out of that game? Probably. All right. Krause, Cal, thank you so much. I want to thank Big Joe. Hey, if you missed any of the show, do me a favor. Please go over to the Jacob Media channel. Click it, share it, like it. We're on 4 to 6 Eastern time. Till then, we'll see you on the flip side.